Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Herbert Smith Freehills APAC Competition Law Podcast, Unbundling Competition. My name is Howard Chan, and I am a senior associate in Herbert Smith Freehills' competition practice in Hong Kong. I have Francis Xu and Hazel Xu with me here today. Hi, both, and thank you for joining me on this podcast. Hi, Howard, and hello to our listeners. I'm a partner from Kerwin Law Firm, a joint legal operation with Herbert Smith Freehills in China. Hello, Howard, Francis, and our listeners. I'm Hazel Xu, an associate from Kerwin Law Firm. This is the third installment of our series on competition law issues that arise in different sectors. Today, we'll be talking about competition law enforcement in the pharmaceutical sector, with a particular focus on China. And we will cover some of the more prominent cases as well as guidelines in this area. We hope you'll find these podcasts interesting. If you have any feedback on our content, or if you have any questions arising from the discussions, please do not hesitate to contact us. So Francis and Hazel, the pharmaceutical sector has traditionally been an area of focus for competition regulators around the world. In particular, in the US and the EU, we have seen cases involving issues such as paper delay, evergreening, and sham litigation. Paper delay usually refers to the situation where market players with patented drugs paying generic drug producers to delay or abandon their plans of launching a competing drug. This is usually viewed as an anti-competitive agreement. Evergreening refers to the situation where companies try to extend patent protection for a drug by filing many related patents during the lifetime of the original patent so that the protection period can be extended. Patent holders may also make use of patent litigation or injunctions to deter other competitors from bringing competing products to the market. Are these the same types of conduct that are being targeted in China? No, actually, well, it's the scrutiny on the pharmaceutical sector is definitely something China shares in common with overseas jurisdictions. But the type of conduct being targeted by Chinese regulators are slightly different. In particular, in China, the enforcement actions have focused on the active pharmaceutical ingredient, or we call it API, sector in particular. Uh, These are the active ingredients we commonly see labeled on the medicine containers. Yes, Francis. According to enforcement statistics, the pharmaceutical sector accounts for 40% of the antitrust enforcement cases within which API remains the industry gathering the most attention from regulators. Can you explain to us in a bit more detail why the API industry is under such heightened scrutiny in China? Sure. So in China, the API industry has become an enforcement focus due to the small number of manufacturers in each API market as a result of long-standing drug safety policies in China. The API industry in China is is subject to strict regulatory controls in order to uphold product quality and safety. So the number of suppliers being able to meet regulatory standards in the API industry is small to begin with. Since 2017, the API industry and their downstream manufacturing processors have been grouped together under a single regulatory and approval regime in order to facilitate the integration of upstream and downstream processes in this sector. 
This coupled with other reasons such as high production cost, strict environmental and quality controls led to a further reduction in the number of market players in the API industry. What we see now is therefore a very concentrated market structure for the API industry with a very small number of players taking over production rights over a large number of API types, making the industry rather prone to anti-competitive conduct. I see. So we have a problem whereby we have a very limited number of suppliers in each specific API market, so they often have very significant market power. Yeah, exactly. And what we are seeing is that upstream API suppliers are often abusing their market power, for example, by refusing to supply to downstream competitors or only supplying at very high prices. In response, Chinese regulators have been actively cracking down on these practices. Hazel, could you take us through some of the more noteworthy cases in this area? Sure, Francis. One of the key cases that comes to my mind is the Hunan Arkan Medical and Henan Jiushi Pharma case. And this concerns an API commonly used in rhinitis or allergy medication or in vitamin C tablets. For an idea of just how concentrated the market is for this API, as of 2017, there were only three market players that successfully obtained the required license to supply this API. Within these three market players, Jiushi held around 80% of the market share in API production, and Arkan held around 10% through acquiring exclusive import rights. Before we move on, can you just explain why you're looping these two suppliers together when Arkan appears only to have 10% market share? Uh, great question, Howard. And this is precisely one of the more standout points of this case. Although on the fact of it, Arkan did not have a significant market share or Arkan is not even active in the production market. Regulators found that Arkan in fact had a considerable degree of control or influence over Jiu Shi, such that Arkan was found to be enjoying dominance along with Jiu Shi. Jiu Shi is the and is the company who had a high market share. So in fact, Arkan was in the process of acquiring up to a 51% stake in Jiu Shi. And although the transaction had not been completed, the management of Arkan had already taken over that of Jiu Shi. This goes to show that even if a market player does not itself hold a dominant market share, it could still be guilty of joint abuse if it acts jointly with other entity or their combined market share is big enough. Yes, Francis. And that was precisely the case in Arkan and Jiushi case, under which the two companies exerted their joint abuse in marking up the price of the API to three to four times of its procurement cost, despite there being no significant changes in production costs. Yes. 
So there was a clear case of uh, excessive pricing here. Someone can actually take uh, various uh, approaches to determine excess pricing. For example, by comparing against the historical prices, by comparing against the pricing of other suppliers in the same market, or comparing against the production or procurement costs to see whether the price is uh, disproportionate. This sort of fact pattern is actually quite common in the Chinese regulator's case. Hey, I'm thinking of uh, Shandong Kanghui case. Could you please walk us through that case as well? Sure. This is a case that has now been taken up to the Beijing High Court, which involves three distributors of a calcium API used to treat calcium deficiencies or allergy diseases. Like Arkan and Jiu Shi, this can be viewed as a case of joint dominance, since regulators found that one of the three distributors, Shandong Kanghui Medicine, in fact, controlled the two other entities such that they should altogether be treated as one single entity. Kanghui's senior management owned one of the other entities, and Kanghui shared common employees with the other two entities. Kanghui basically was in charge of the commercial and the strategic decision making of the other two businesses. Just to jump in, this is an important point when thinking about dominance or joint dominance. It's important to remember that someone can and will look through the corporate veil and consider substantively whether different entities are subject to common control. Kanghui was found to be charging prices that were 9 to over 20 times its procurement costs and was ultimately fined over 140 million renminbi. Another interesting aspect of this case is that Summer's decision pointed out that the companies obstructed Summer's investigations. During Summer's investigations, legal representatives of the companies had refused to provide officials with recipes, accounts, and other materials and was also found to have tried to remove chart records, delete computer files, hide hard disks, and disconnect the computer system. Things even turned violent when the officials tried to conduct searches on certain premises. When some staff members tried to violently remove and conceal these documents and materials from officials, injuring some officials in the process. Needless to say, this resulted in a serious obstruction of investigations, and both the companies and the individuals involved were faced with harsh fines and criminal detention. Thank you both. So in addition to these cases involving abuses of dominance, are there other types of cases that you have seen? Yes, Howard. Another type of conduct we have seen is resale price maintenance, which is an enforcement focus not just in pharmaceutical sector, but across a number of sectors such as consumer goods. So resale price maintenance or RPM is where an upstream supplier sets a fixed price or a minimum price on a downstream reseller instead of allowing them the freedom to determine prices. This removes the ability of downstream resellers to compete fairly on the market through offering discounts to customers. There have been many cases involving RPM in China. In the pharmaceutical sector, one of the key cases is the case against the Yangtze River Pharmaceutical, where someone imposed a record fine of 764 million RMB against the group. 
which at the time was the largest fine we have ever seen in the history of Chinese antitrust enforcement. This was a particularly serious case of RPM because not only did Yangtze River fix its resellers' prices, but it also had many mechanisms to monitor its resellers and imposed penalties on resellers that did not follow its pricing decisions, such as by withholding bonuses and refusing to supply to those resellers. The group also engaged third-party platform intermediaries to monitor prices of online sales, such that drug prices eventually increased across the market to meet their requirements. With so many cases in the pharmaceutical sector, and especially those relating to APIs, no wonder you say it is the main focus of the Chinese regulator. Uh, yeah, exactly. In response to the many different instances of anti-competitive conduct in the API sector, some actually released some specific guidelines to target this sector. Heather, could you please uh, use a bit more about the guidelines? Sure. Summer's anti-monopoly guideline for the API field now sets out very clearly the key areas of compliance and more details about Summer's enforcement standards. One very important point from the guidelines is that they specify that in most cases, every single API would constitute a separate relevant product market, which could be further subdivided. This means that the relevant markets in each case will be quite narrow. Right, and the narrower a relevant product market is, the easier it is to have a high market share and therefore be potentially viewed as dominant. And this makes it much more easy for a regulator to capture abusive conduct. Yes, exactly. There is also some discussion on the scenarios where someone might look through the corporate veil, like in the cases we discussed earlier. The guidelines also provide more details on the types of conduct that someone might view as abusive. In addition to abuse of dominance, they also discuss the common types of horizontal or vertical agreements that might be anti-competitive in this sector. These include conduct such as information exchange. Thanks, Hazel. I think it's very interesting that the enforcement focus in China is so different from other jurisdictions and to see that Samar has really developed their own jurisprudence on these issues. It means that pharmaceutical companies that are active in China really have to take a look at whether there are any compliance issues that they haven't thought of. I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you everyone for tuning in and thank you Francis and Hazel for joining me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do check out other installments of Unbundling Competition. And if you have any thoughts, comments or queries, please do not hesitate to contact us.